Scott for Scots here. Ah, a good track can feed the soul. And while this might be music from the heavens, it's not gonna feed your lawn. If your yard needs some life, then you need Scott's Turf Builder. You just put it down once now, then again this summer to thicken your lawn and get it grown strong. Ooh. That's some lush lawn vibes right there. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder today. It's guaranteed or your money back. Feed your lawn. Feed it. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We'd never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Purple Mafia, with your host, Paladino Joey. Well, we'll see. The doctors would disagree, but what do they know? So let's just say that you'll pay me because it's in your interest to pay me. Is it worth it? I mean, you've won. Do you want to wipe everybody out? I don't feel I have to wipe everybody out, Tom. It's just my enemy. That's it. My father taught me many things. He taught me, keep your friends close, but your enemies close. These are wonderful things that we've achieved, and there's no limit to where we can go from here. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. It is preseason time right here. I am your host, Paladino Joey, and I am going solo today. <clears throat> Sebastian will be returning at some point in the future. But as of right now, I like to go solo at times. In fact, I mean, I'm going to go solo for a string of shows at times too. In fact, I may do that during the preseason here and there. It's kind of a fluent situation, as we like to hear throughout the world, in the world of football. So it's the same way here for myself with the show. Uh, my schedule is very, very tough sometimes. Other people have wanted to get on this show, including Brent Jacobson, who probably will be on the show at some point in time. But a tough schedule makes it hard for me to really uh, put things together and, you know, have multiple guests on or even one guest or, you know, or one co-host or per se, maybe not guest, like a co-host, guest host, co-host, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, but you will be hearing a lot of Sebastian Balls in the future, worry not, but you'll also be hearing a lot of solo shows as well. It's just a fluent situation. We're going to do the best we can to get that together. So getting that out of the way before you guys are wondering what the heck is going on, I am Paladino Joey, or Joey Wydrington, the host creator, the host and creator of Purple Mafia. Well, we have a preseason game. To review a 10-6 victory for the Minnesota Vikings, though a victory in a preseason game not really looked on the same way anywhere near as a victory in the regular season. This is more about evaluating per se, uh, looking for indicators. That's kind of my big word in the preseason is indicators. Maybe not even individual performances per se, but indicators of how certain parts of the team are performing. And, well, there's an indication that this coaching staff is much more in control than the last one. 
much more in control than the last one. That's what I should start off with today. I was going to go into the quarterback position right out of the gate, but no, I'll start off with the coaching situation just just because I <laughs> that was the most noticeable thing, I think. That was the most important uh, take. That was the most important thing I took in from last night's game. Um, it's not about like, wow, this guy did this and that guy did that. It's about how in general does this team perform in situations? Do they give up horrible plays? Do they give? Do they have penalties time and time again? Well, under Leslie Frazier last season, it was an ongoing train wreck pretty much from day one. Yes, Christian Ponder set the tone last year in a lot of ways on the offensive side of the ball, along with his card-carrying, horrendous offensive coordinator, literally card-carrying <laughs> Bill Musgrave, offensive coordinator. And yes, we, we've been we've heard all about that postcard size uh, offense sheet or whatever sheet that he kept his uh, offense information on. Whatever, we'll leave that alone for the time being. Hopefully for longer. <laughs> Hopefully we don't need to bring him up too much. But in general, last year it was a train wreck waiting to happen. This year, there's nothing exciting really to get out of the game in general other than the players seem more in sync with the coaching staff than they did last season. You're not seeing guys getting killed out there. You're not seeing holes. You're not seeing one hole after another. Like, well, as a, like, like a Viking ship, imagine it has a lot of holes on it and it's sinking. Well, last year, all we really had was duct tape and bubble gum to plug those holes with. And, and then, next thing you know, the, the hole would break back open again. And that's what it was like last year with the Minnesota Vikings. And you saw a lot of that in the preseason, particularly... Not just the quarterback position, of course. That was a gaping hole. That was a, I won't even, that was a Titanic-like hole, <laughs> dare I say. That one's not too soon, I suppose, because it was over 100 years ago now. Um, <laughs> but the offensive line last year, right out of the gate, you could just tell that was going to be a problem, and it wasn't helping Christian Ponder. Um, the secondary, you could tell right out of the gate. There were, there were just huge holes coming into the season. Part of that was coaching, folks. Part of that was coaching. The players didn't agree with the the scheme. And we heard that time and time again later on in the season. Offensively and defensively. Right now, this team seems to be much more disciplined and, again, more in sync with this coaching staff. That is the number one thing I took out of this 10-6 to game. The Minnesota Vikings happened to win, thank God. Um, and the, most of the mistakes that were made were later in the game which were not a National Football League uh, regular season fourth quarter. They were a preseason fourth quarter, meaning you're looking at third, fourth string type of guys, guys that may or may not be on the team, the 53-man roster, per se, when when uh, when the NFL plays on Sundays again come September. And there weren't many mistakes either, even by the lower bracket players on this football team. So again, good indications that this team is, yeah, <laughs> it isn't isn't in for another train wreck of a season, a train wreck of a coaching staff, a train. You know, it's it, it just it was something that a lot of us were were just sick of right out of the get go. You could tell this was not a playoff team last year, right away, right away. 
and we all know it, doggone it. So, with that said, let's move on to the quarterback position. Let's indeed do that. Matt Castle sure looked sharp. Yeah, he did. Yes, it's a preseason game. You can't take as much into it as you would, uh, you, you, you know, as you would in a regular season game. But at the same time, hey, quarterback position is a bit more of an individual evaluation than other positions in the preseason. Um, when a guy looks sharp in the preseason, it's a good indicator that he's uh, on his way to having an, at least a halfway decent year, at least. And I do think Matt Castle is on his way to having a halfway decent year as the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. It's not passing judgment after the first game per se, like a lot of you are probably clamoring at right now on the message boards, maybe while listening to this show as well. But Teddy Bridgewater, in a word, in a word, like I said on the Facebook page, <laughs> we'll get to that at the end of the show. This is this will be a two segment, two parter per se. So you know, later in the year, it'll be a three parter when it's regular season. At times, uh, that's always a fluent situation as well. But uh, Teddy Bridgewater, in one word, is raw. He is raw, and usually when I say a guy is raw, I'm right, <laughs> and. Maybe that's why you listen to this show because I get a good vibe when I when I watch a guy out there. He looks raw and but he looks skilled. He looks skilled and raw at the same time. You can tell there are special skills in Teddy Bridgewater because the completions he did make were pretty good. He does look like a college quarterback trying to play an NFL game though out there right now. That's the unfortunate part, but that's how it goes. The one position in football that takes <laughs> that is probably the hardest to come right out of the gate, guns a blazing, is the quarterback position, without a doubt. It, it's the hardest position in the NFL to come out guns a blazing and rocking and rolling out there, because I mean there are several examples of quarterbacks that were great and quarterbacks that were good that really didn't start out right out of the gate. They, they just didn't. They didn't come out kicking ass right away. Peyton Manning had more interceptions than he had touchdowns. He actually had more interceptions than touchdowns in his first year. He had plenty of touchdowns, but he had a hell of a lot of interceptions. If Brett Favre was great in his first season as a quarterback, he would have been an Atlanta Falcon because they wouldn't have let him go. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are many, many more that you could that you could list. Eli Manning wasn't too good as a starter in his first year or two, was he? <laughs> and he ended up being a, at least a two-time Super Bowl champion so far. Um, so I mean, just saying, not comparing Teddy Bridgewater to anybody, not a single person. And it, and it took Aaron Rodgers eons to get in there, but then again, that was a that was a bit too long because of that situation, Aaron Rodgers. But no, I'm not comparing Teddy Bridgewater to anybody other than every quarterback there is, it takes time. And so don't be surprised that Teddy Bridgewater is a little raw coming out of the gate. Don't be pissed off that I'm coming on the mic right now here on Purple Mafia in 2014 (laughs) saying Teddy Bridgewater is a little raw and that Matt Castle looks sharp and that he is going to be the starting quarterback for this football team right now. Barring some type of miracle change coming up here in the next couple weeks, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think uh, Teddy Bridgewater will be more stable because he got his feet wet 
That's what this game was about for him, getting his feet wet. So he might be a little more confident out there right right out of, uh, going into the, the second game. But for those of you out there thinking, oh, Bridgewater, he's going to be starting. Just watch. It's going to happen by, by week one. No, no, I, I, I don't think so. If, if Teddy Bridgewater is starting, I'll be very surprised going into week one. I wish I had a prize to give to somebody, but then again, I'd have to give it to a lot of people because uh, there's probably not just one person out there saying Teddy Bridgewater is the starter. And I'm, I'm not exactly a rich guy that can just give lots of stuff away. <laughs> and I'm not working for a big corporation either. I love the sportsstuff.com. Absolutely love it. And I do appreciate the sportsstuff.com very, very much. They are the flagship website of this show, which is available on the sport, you know, again, available on the sportsstuff.com and on iTunes. You'll hear more about that in the jingles later on. But, um, yeah, it, it's just about Teddy getting his feet wet. Special skills here and there, yes. The bootleg pass that he made was really good. That's an that's a nice indication. Kind of a Cunningham-ish type of play, but he, at least he doesn't throw the ball sideways like Cunningham did. Kind of sidearm throws that Randall did. That made for a very slow release, and it drove probably a lot of people crazy. Um, I think in this this day and age where players are a little bit, uh, well, they're obsessed with, with watching film, per se, or, well, some of them are. <laughs> but, um, you know, how... The league kind of evolves to look for this and that. You, you pretty much have to have a quick release in this day and age to make it in the NFL now. I think Cunningham would have struggled <laughs> if he was a modern-day quarterback. I think he would have struggled, but whatever. Let's not ch- change the topic, go into any type of crazy argument on Facebook, Twitter, and all that good stuff. Um, with the Oakland Raiders in the quarterback position, though, Derek Carr and Matt Schaub, <laughs> yuck, you know, yuck. Derek Carr does not look that good, and I didn't really want the Vikings to take him. Yeah, he completed some of his passes, but he was a mess, and they were short passes, pretty much for the most part, about seven yard passes. Uh, McGloin, Matt McGloin, uh, is the one that I like out of the three, believe it or not. He's the third stringer, and boy, oh boy, he looks a hell of a lot better than Christian Ponder, I'll tell you that. He's got a nice zip on the ball, he's got a very quick release. They're very accurate, and there's a nice, very strong spiral to his throws. He just gets rid of that ball right away, Matt McLaurin. I think he has a future in this league, and boy, oh boy. Let's just say if if he was available to be a third-string quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, I would I would jump on that in a second to be the third stringer. Not saying I see him as a future starter in this league or anything, but a third stringer, boy, that would be a bargain, I'm telling you, versus Christian Bleepin' Ponder who not that long ago was looked at as the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Really not that long ago. And all those struggles that I was talking about last year in the preseason that we saw, one indicator after another, none of them stuck out like a sore thumb more than Christian Ponder last year. You saw zero improvement. You saw the same frustrating garbage that you saw in 2012 most of the year, despite the fact the Vikings made the playoffs. Because Adrian literally ran the Vikings into the playoffs that year. Literally. Uh, Christian Ponder is a terrible quarterback. Barring any type of uh, sitting down and learning in a different in a different location. Hope for the best for him in that case. It could happen. It has happened. Um, we'll see though. It's easier said than done without a doubt. Christian Ponder looks like the exact same guy he did last year 
and in 2012 and in 2011, despite a good game here and there against Green Bay, believe it or not. But then again, the Packers' uh, passing defense is pretty was uh, pretty questionable at times. Yes, bunch of gamblers. <laughs> but um, the one excuse people would make, well, yeah, Christian Bonner was getting killed out there because he had a third-string offensive line in front of him. Yeah, but you got to remember that offensive line was going against the third-string defensive line as well. You got to put that into into <laughs> into perspective just a little bit. Also, you might want to take note of this one hole that is still there. There is no depth on the offensive line, and yeah, they did hurt Christian Ponder yesterday. But sooner or later, a good quarterback's going to survive through crap like that. So I mean, once in a while, a, a halfway decent quarterback will survive through some some bad, uh, just just some poor protection out there. I mean, Christian Ponder, regardless if he had protection or not, didn't look good. He's just the same guy. The same icky passes. The same um, panic panic bug is all over him. It's just who he is. He needs to, he's going to need to sit down and learn for a few years and hope to catch on somewhere as a backup and maybe a spot, er, spot starter. Yeah, this isn't basketball. <laughs> but yeah, maybe like somewhere maybe he'll get into a situation where he'll kind of start and sit, so to speak, like uh, Rich Gannon did with Elvis Gerbach, and eventually he became a really good quarterback in the league. That's the best scenario Christian Ponder can possibly hope for. Other than that, he's going to be one of those guys carrying clipboards for the rest of his career, if it's five years from now or ten years from now. So, uh, congratulations on your on your uh, on your uh, on the child you've brought into this world, Christian. Congratulations and uh, good luck with that. We'll see how things go with the remainder of your career. But that pretty much will wrap up the quarterback conversation. I gotta say, uh, it was pretty cool to see Barr get a sack, by the way. And um, the defense in general looked looked very solid. Looked like, a, looked like a better coach was managing it. The head coach and the defensive coordinator, both both much better than we had last year with uh, Leslie Frazier and Alan Williams. The schemes are better. Just to, just much more intense, getting after that quarterback <laughs> and just shutting down everything. Just, you know, getting getting things done in general. And overall, much better defense than we've seen out of the Minnesota Vikings over the past several years. Very, very pleased. Players on the ball, knocking the ball away, attacking the quarterback, like I mentioned. At least forcing the quarterback to hurry, to throw short passes. Didn't give up really anything deep in this game. I mean, very, very, very cool to see. Uh, again, Anthony Barr. Well, he shared a sack with Tim Johnson, but yeah, it was nice to see him get to the quarterback. Captain Munnerlyn looks really, really good. I mean, an unbelievable upgrade over what we had last year. <laughs> the slot corner. That was uh, the hole that was left by Antoine Winfield. What a what a bummer. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, boy, oh boy, Josh Robinson did not look good last year. Looks, hey, at least he looks adequate right now. At least he looks adequate. But overall, the linebackers look all right now. The linebackers look all right. Not, I mean, I mean, it's kind of hard to gauge though because Oakland's quarterbacks are so bad and they don't really have much of a running game either right now. I mean, it's just, I don't even know what to make of the Oakland Raiders. I mean, they they got to be going in as one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. So. You're not seeing a whole lot of competition this season. Uh, Darren McFadden only had one carry. He did get 23 yards in that carry, though. But 
other than that, I mean, yeah, Maurice Jones drew only two two rushes. You pretty much just saw a lot of it's Murray all night. A lot of V.S. Murray. Yeah, that's pretty much all you saw. Um, so, uh, it was just kind of a, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, the Vikings defense did look good. And they, they almost got a shutout in this game at the, the, the end. But, uh, it's like, I want to believe the defense looked good. And, and, and they did. They were in position where they needed to be. Which is not what you could have said the last couple of years in the cover two. In that, the, the, it was poor schemes and poor coaching in general. The players did not have confidence in the coaching staff. This t- this team has confidence in their coaching staff. A guy that I think is going to be a nice player in this league and and is showing signs that he's improved in the offseason is Gerald Hodges. Very happy with him. Um, he did get two solo tackles and two assists in the game, and he, and he also uh, blocked a kick late in the game. We thought we were going to keep the shutout rolling. It was a pretty low kick, though, to be fair. It was a pretty low kick by the uh, Raiders rookie kicker who looks awfully heavy. <laughs> um, but in general, yeah, I mean, Gerald Hodges is one of the def- one of the defend one of the defenders that stood out in the game. Audie Cole, I think, looks really good. I think he looks really good. I, I think he's going to be in the league for a long time. Uh, Gerald Hodges and Audie Cole, yeah, I'm very happy with those guys. It's nice to see we actually have some depth at the position. And yes, they were on the team last year. But um, at the same time, the poor coaching did not help. Oh my goodness, it didn't help. It makes Fred Puggish look pretty bad, too. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? Fred Puggish, when he was defensive coordinator, was terrible. Goes back to linebackers coach, and the linebackers were terrible. And yes, the personnel was, was pretty weak. I mean, Aaron Henderson was terrible. But, I mean, Green, you know, Greenway had to pretty much protect him the whole season. Made Greenway look worse. I'm not a big fan of Greenway, but at the same time, he's better than last year. So, in general, the linebacker position, uh, it just looks stronger. I'm very happy with it so far. <laughs> it's hard to gauge how the secondary did because the deep, because they didn't really have to face all that much. Yet, at the same time, I mean, they made the plays they need to make most of the game. They kept the Raiders in check. I mean, what what else can you say? Captain Munderland, in the brief time he's out there, though, wow. He stood out to me as well. He's going to be a really, really nice player. And he's going to be one of the captains of the defense, I believe, indeed, without a doubt. It, it comes in the name. Uh, briefly, back to the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> Cordero Patterson, you wanted it, you got it. He is the number one receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. And that puts a huge smile on my face. His member last year, I mean, all we could say last year is why the hell isn't Cordero Patterson getting the ball? And that continued throughout the whole season. Even when he finally did start to get the ball, they still didn't give it to him enough. They, they hardly gave it to him at all. Uh, looks like he's the guy now. And, man, I couldn't be happier. Greg Jennings is going to be the number two receiver. Not surprising. Kyle Rudolph got, got well, pretty much robbed of a touchdown on his one catch from uh, Matt Castle. One catch for 22 yards. It should have been 23 and a touchdown, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> Greg Jennings had a catch. Joe Banyard. I'm going to like that guy, the running back, Mr. Banyard. I've going to always liked him. I liked him last year as well in the preseason. Wouldn't mind if he was the uh, the third running back, but then again, he probably isn't going to be. Um, one of the more notables, though, Jarek McKinnon. Wow. He's going to be a good player. He is going to be a really nice player. What a nice draft pick by the Minnesota Vikings. I mean... What a nice draft pick by Rick Spielman. 
and the Minnesota Vikings as scouts. And I wanted the Vikings to take a running back in this draft for obvious reasons. Jarek McKinnon, I think, is going to have a nice career in this league. Starting starting running back someday? Maybe. But regardless, you have depth at that running back position. A Chester Taylor, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe a younger, better what Chester Taylor was when he was here back in back in 2006 when he was at his best as a starter. You know, because Adrian Peterson's almost 30 years old. Why the hell wouldn't you draft a running back? You have to be smart. And the Vikings were smart. And I think they took a really nice running back here. Very excited about Jarek McKinnon, without a doubt. Um, other than that, there's really not all that much to say about this game. It was just so... It was the kind of game you're watching it and you're trying to you know, put some notables in your head, and it's just like, eh, okay, he just threw the ball and it was incomplete. Eh, he ran the ball for a yard or two or three. Eh, he did this, he did that. You know, it just was kind of a quiet kind of game, you know, uh, just a quiet type of game. And by the second half, it was like, you know, I mean, Ponder was in there. He was terrible. McLoyne was, was solid with the Raiders. He's the only reason the Raiders scored, I think, pretty much for the most part. Very solid, yeah. Very solid quarterback, I think, in Oaktown. So, I'm going to pretty much wrap up the game review for the time being. I said pretty much what I need to say. I mean, I, I went all over the place. Hopefully it was, uh, hopefully it was to your liking. I can't say, I'm, I can't say I had a, had my eyes on every single player on every single play. So, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, maybe you guys saw something I didn't that you thought was notable on the show, and you're more than welcome to post it on Facebook all you want. As long as you're civil about it, I'd appreciate it. And uh, with that, we are going to uh, move on briefly to some stadium talk, very briefly, to the NFL stadium. Yeah, the Minnesota Vikings' new stadium. So that's going to be the topic today, the game review, of course. Game review and general evaluation of the players, which is what I did just now. Now it's going to be the stadium, then we'll go to break, and then it'll be on to the fan interaction, mostly on Facebook, a little briefly on Twitter as well. Um, but the Minnesota Vikings Stadium, which we, which may be U.S. Bank Stadium coming up, that may be the name of it, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's what a lot of people believe is going to be the name, but obviously don't quote me on that, I'm just kind of saying it, you know. Don't shoot the messenger, even though I'm not even the messenger, I'm just a... Uh, a uh, retweeted messenger, we'll say. I'm, I'm the retweeter on that one. <laughs> wink, wink. But, uh, yeah, uh, the progress has been unbelievable. These guys have been working round the clock over there pretty much. At least in some areas. It's not as round the clock as it was back in like the winter time. And, boy, I felt bad for those guys because that was during those polar vortexes. Literally during polar vortexes, those guys are working... You know, there there were there was twenty four hour days. You know, not single men, but I'm just saying, there. You know, single. Yeah, not not men working twenty four hours in one day. No, no. Yeah, obviously you know that. But it was like three shifts, though. I mean, that is nuts. Or maybe it was two super long shifts. And I pray to God it wasn't like that for those guys. I hope it actually was three shifts, because um, that's crazy. All that heavy lifting, all that hard work, and that extreme cold. That's a tough combination. And that's why the stadium has progressed as quickly as it has today, because they got a lot of the important foundational work done during that time. And I don't even know how they did it in that kind of cold. I I really don't. Uh, It's starting to look like a stadium. 
it's very cool to watch it building up on Minnesota, you know, obviously Vikings.com. The, uh, the, there's the live webcam option, and of course there's the uh, stadium and uh, aerial view option on there. Always cool to keep up with it. And a conversation that's been going on lately, kind of the feature feature conversation going on about the stadium of late this past week, a 400,000-pound steel girder is already going up now. So, you know, where the stadium started to get constructed, that's the back end where there's more structure. That's like the back, that's literally the structure of the building going up already over there. But over in the front part, where it's going to be more, obviously, glass and door, you know, the doors and all that, the huge doors that are going to open up and give us that autumn wind. The autumn wind is a Viking. No. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The autumn wind is a Viking. But um, it will be... Uh, less structure, more glass over there, per se. So that's why you're seeing more of pillars on that side. And, of course, that side of the stadium is, you know, later. You know, the construction started later there than the other part because it goes in a, a ring. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you kind of know what I'm getting at. But the steel girders over there and starting up because that's where they're going to start building, ultimately, the structure of the roof. And the steel, the 400,000-pound steel girder, is literally the main beam, the literal backbone of the roof for quote-unquote U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, and it is pretty cool to check out. So, very cool if you want to drive by where the, you know, where the stadium is being built. Obviously, the site of the Metrodome, former site of the Metrodome. And, of course, there is the webcam option for all of us that just can't get down there very often <laughs> and hate traffic and all that good stuff. But, uh, when I do go by there, I am just amazed. It's so cool to watch. I love watching buildings come up, and you just sometimes you don't realize just how big big these stadiums are. <laughs> you know, just how big these construction projects are. I mean, it's more amazing when you watch it actually being built versus like, okay, well, I'm going to the Metrodome or I'm going to this place, going to that place. But when you actually watch it come up and how it comes up, it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, see, the backbone for the roof is already coming up, and that means. Possibly by the end of the year, you're going to start seeing some definite definition of this building that it's going to really look like a football stadium already by the end of the year. You might even have a roof in place by the end of the year. I could be way ahead of myself. There is plenty of time for it to happen, though. And the fact that that girder is going up is an indication that we're headed that direction. And that's really cool. Um, in the back end, the more structural end of the stadium, you're already seeing steps forming, which is unbelievably cool. I mean, it's starting to look like a football stadium in the back end area already. Pretty, pretty damn cool. So, uh, just thought I'd have a conversation about that, and you guys are more than welcome to talk about it on the Facebook page. And with that, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our sponsor, Tallgrass, and also, of course, Amazon on the sportstuff.com. Where you just click that big black uh, button and do your shopping. You know, all that good stuff. Man, this hot, humid weather right now makes you want to have a makes you want to have some tall grass, halcyon, and cool off. Hmm. We'll be back right after this. Hey, it's hot, it's humid, it's summertime. Nothing is more refreshing this time of year than halcyon weed ale brewed by Tallgrass from Manhattan, Kansas. Their 8-Bit Pale Ale is my personal favorite and the official beer of this podcast. There is nothing cooler than seeing Pac-Man licking his chops on this amazing can and even better beer. 
check out the many other wonderful beers Tallgrass offers on their website at www.tallgrassbeer.com. Check out their beer locator to see what's available in your area. You can follow Tallgrass on Twitter at TallgrassMN and find them on Facebook. Simply search Tallgrass Minnesota. Bringing people together over a beer since 2007. sportstuff.com and click on one of the many Amazon pictures. Do your normal shopping and Amazon sees that we referred you and they give us a percentage. We'd like to thank you in advance for supporting the sportstuff.com and please use our Amazon link. Now enjoy the rest of the show. Too busy to sit in front of a computer? Simply download Purple Mafia on iTunes for Apple devices. For Android, download the Double Twist app. And for Windows and BlackBerry phones, simply find us in the store. And now, back to Paladino Joey. Contact us and support Purple Mafia by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter. Don't forget to call into our phone lines at 209-736-7877. That's 209-736-7877. And we are back here on Purple Mafia. Preseason episode. Yes, sir, preseason. Well, week one of the preseason episode. <laughs> well, it's time for the fan interaction. It's the fan interaction segment. You know how to get there via the jingle you just heard. You, you better have been paying attention, damn it. So on the Facebook page, I made a quick post of, uh, well, the whole Tallgrass situation. Yeah, the whole situation in Tallgrass where they had a little contest where they went to the uh, United States Open Beer Championship. Ethos won the gold medal for IPAs. That's incredible. Big Rick, which will be coming out in the wintertime. It is a, a, uh, and no, this is not a continued advertisement. I just put it on the page because it's really exciting and wanted to see how you guys reacted to it. Uh, Big Rick got silver for uh, Russian Imperial Stouts. I have tried Big Rick, folks. Mm. You know, being it's uh, obviously an unreleased beer right now. It's not out on the market yet. Whoa. I'm I'm serious. I'm saying this in full sincerity. Even if Tallgrass wasn't a sponsor for this show, oh my. (laughs) If you like Stouts, you will adore Imperial. The Imperial Stout, obviously it's higher alcohol volume. That's why it's called Imperial uh, lots of chocolate coffee taste to it, which which stouts are, but this is just is unbelievably good. And, of course, the flagship beer for my shows, when it comes to Tallgrass, 8-Bit got bronze for pale ale. So, 8-Bit pale ale, of course, with the Pac-Man uh, licking his chops. Doesn't get better than that. Just doesn't. That's why I consider that one the flagship beer. But Ethos winning the uh, number one for IPAs. There's a lot of good IPAs out there for that to get gold medal. Wow. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so a little extended, I guess, plug there for Tallgrass. On kind of, uh, you know, I mean, why not? You know, why not? They're good stuff. Mark Carlson saying, holy cow, I have to try an ethos now. Very cool. Congrats to Tallgrass for such high quality and creative brews. 
there was one other comment in there as well. That being Mark Carlson from Iowa. Oh, and a tickets for American football. That's like, I think, a spam thing going on. But uh, that's okay. Get, go ahead. Well, you got you got your uh, you got your uh, ad out there. I suppose. Congratulations for you. <laughs> I'm not too mad at him. I suppose. Um, but yeah, Mark from Iowa. Mark Carlson, a Pearl Mafia Hall of Famer, without a doubt, coming into his third season. Listening to Pearl Mafia and following, uh, or well, obviously he's been following the Vikings from back in the Tarkenton days, but I'm just saying, um, boy, his third season with Purple Mafia, though, love you, Mark, without a doubt. And uh, for those of you out there too with Ethos, just a quick thing to let you know, IPAs are on the bitter side. Just letting you know. So if you like bitter beers, you will love Ethos. If you don't like bitter beers, you're probably going to be more interested in something like the Pub Ill or. Halcyon or something. So just just letting you know out there. And of course, Big Rick is a dark beer. So uh, yeah, anyhow. <laughs> just letting you know what you're getting. You know, you don't want to get something in and be like, oh man, this isn't my style. But so, because they, uh, they make other styles. They make several styles over there in the Manhattan, Kansas, Tallgrass. Um, I said my biggest takeaway from Man... No, no, this isn't me. This is from Paul Charchi. And he was saying his big away from Mankato this during the, uh, during, well, on my birthday, July 29th. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater has a remarkably natural passing motion with a lot more velocity than expected. His passing motion is the football equivalent of the golf swing of Ernie Ellis. High praise from Paul Churchin, who's obviously the king of kings when it comes to fantasy football. I, uh, he was the first guy I would turn to when I was uh, into fantasy football. I've pretty much stepped away from that now. I, I just don't think I'm coming back, guys. I'm sorry. For those of you that might care, I don't think I'm coming back to fantasy football. I think I've, uh, it's just, I'm I'm done with it now. But in my day, I really liked Paul Charch and what he had to say. Dave Hickey was saying, I hope he, I hope he can be the savior. He being Teddy Bridgewater can be the savior someday. But this year, I think we should stick with Castle. Put Teddy in if Matt gets hurt or struggles bad for two straight games. We have a rough stretch to start the season as for Ponder trade bait. <laughs> that is if anyone is desperate enough to bite on that worm. Yeah, and after yesterday's preseason game, I think they're even less desperate to bite on that one, Dave. And both Dave and Mark Carlson are recipients of the Gold Star of the Year Award <laughs> for 2013. You know, I realize, you know, for like you know, how I always do that on State of the Vikings, and it took me forever to get around to it this last year. I didn't do a silver and bronze star this year, and I think that was kind of mean. And I hope you guys are still listening. Those of you that didn't get the gold, hope you're not mad. Because <laughs> Malto Hebel could have gotten it, I think. Which isn't a shot at anybody. Um, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna very late give the silver star to Malcolm out of uh, Oakview, California. Yeah, Malcolm's going to get the uh, the silver star of the year. And Brent Jacobson gets the bronze for all his wonderful posts as well. Malcolm, so many strong takes, so many and, and you know, many posts, so good, just great calls as well. Malcolm gets the silver star for 2013, and Brent Jacobson the bronze for 2013. And so the you and you guys are all in the running for 2014 as well as we head into the season of 2014. I did a post talking about eight bit and everything. Oh, they had a there's a pretty cool picture. Somebody uh, at a college football game. They actually sold 8-Bit there, which is pretty cool. K-State Tallgrass Beer. That's very cool. Dave Hickey's saying, I can't wait to try it. And you should, doggone it. It's good stuff. Uh, Mark Carlson saying, gotta get some. Yep. So, yes, sir. Teddy Bridgewater. 
Yep, they were saying how he was going to get snaps with the starters on uh, Friday versus the Raiders, and obviously he did get some with some of the first string and a lot of the second string as well. Did Teddy, Dave Hickey saying, I can't wait to see him in action. I'm not going to jump on any bandwagon for him just yet. I think we should stick with Matt Castle. He has proven he can win in the NFL and has taken two teams into the playoffs when he has a good team of playmakers around him, and we definitely have playmakers, and you need legitimate coaches. Leslie was too soft. Musgrave was a complete joke, and the D coordinator, worst ever. <laughs> we must not take the NFC North by storm, or we might not take the NFC North by storm this year, but I'm going out on a ledge here and going to say we will be a championship-caliber team by the time we move into the new home in 2016. Strong thoughts there, Dave. That was very cool. Very cool indeed. And I hope I don't miss uh, another one yet earlier. I think he asked a question. I better hope that I can find that here soon. That's just saying the bridge lives, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think it's in the regular post, and I'm going to dig into that here in a second. Just hope I didn't miss it. Oh, boy, I hope I, I, hope I don't miss it. Because he, he asked a pretty interesting question. And uh, I'm completely on Dave Hickey's side when it comes to uh, Matt Castle starting this season and for a while and obviously unless he gets hurt and all that stuff then bridge then 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 the bridge goes in and um we 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 go from there but as of right now matt castle should start for this team no offense to bridgewater and absolutely no offense to anybody out there that thinks bridgewater should be starting i just don't think it's time yet that's all just be patient he's gonna get his time his day will come Pick six, Bonder. Yep, <laughs> Ponder had a near pick six, and it was easily correctable. <laughs> Yankee Zong saying Ponder played like Ponder. Nothing new. Agree. Oh yeah, that's a that's a definite star candidate right there. As was Dave Hickey's earlier. Sebastian saying I liked booing Ponder. Yes, sir. I'm sure you did. If Sebastian wasn't the game, and he invited me to go to the game, but my schedule just didn't allow it, folks. Luckily, I was able to watch the game, but not able to go to it. Just And plus, I'm just too exhausted most of the time anyway. <laughs> I'm glad I'm able to get up and have an, uh, get up and do the show today. Not trying to whine about my schedule, just saying it's tough. This generated a decent amount of response from those of you out there. Especially being, I, I do apologize that I've been quiet, quiet on the page until uh, the past, uh, until this week or so. And I will be active again. I do apologize. The schedule is just brutal, guys. If you had any idea, <laughs> any idea what's going on, it's like the regular job, much less the mowing. So it's just it's getting stupid. Um, enough of that. Sorry. Summing up my first impression of Bridgewater tonight in one word: raw. Uh, Mark Carlson saying yes, and bumbly fumbly too. Brent Jacobson saying Friday night pretty much cemented to me that Castle needs to start week one. Yep. Brett McCarthy, welcome back. I haven't seen him for a little while. Uh, he says, Will said, Brent Jacobson, Sebastian saying, Hey now, don't hate yet. We booed Ponder. Castle, we cheered, and Bridgewater can sit a season. That's okay, folks. You may as... What is he saying? You may ask why, and I will say, Look at that defense. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Yep, very, very, very cool. Very cool. Uh, Brent saying, Raw is not an insult. It just means he needs more time to hone his skills. But Castle, I think, would do better versus St. Louis. Oh, yeah. And Sebastian saying, and New England and New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a little while. Yep. It is going to be 
a little little bit of time. And I posted a nice picture. This was not taken by me. No, I was not there, unfortunately. But it was a really nice picture that I had to take and use and put as the banner for the Facebook page now. Because it was the Metrodome for the longest time. I was doing it kind of as a requiem to the old place. Kind of miss it a little bit, even though I don't miss it in a way. Um, Mark Carlson saying, amazing photo. I will enjoy the outdoor home games for the next two years. Oh, yeah. It, it's going to be fun. Even though it looks like a college stadium, it does. It looks like a college stadium. It looks like they're, like a, like they're playing in a college football stadium. But it is what it is. And I said, my general thoughts of the game in a nutshell, it was excruciatingly boring, <laughs> but this team appears to have less holes and is more disciplined. Telltale signs of better coaching. Mark Carlson saying, you can't help the dull part in any meaningless game. Like the Pro Bowl, it's just fun to watch the interviews and see who is in. I hope our defense will tighten up, especially in the secondary, and there are signs that it has. Skull Mark from Iowa. Yep. Yep, there are signs that it has, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, and I did say post a page. They do believe they're in here. I don't like pace. Yeah, I don't like the way they've changed this around. Mm-mm. <laughs> Brandon, that's funny. Puts in these funny pictures up here. There's the, uh, there's the Velvet Rooster from a while ago. And the purple and gold thing, no. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Here we go. Uh, Matthew Kyle out of Maine saying, would love to hear your opinion and everyone's on the toughest game of our 2014 schedule. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, there's a lot of tough games, damn it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get back to that one in a second here as I continue to kind of bounce around with things. Um, it's going to be a... It's going to be fun to watch the Vikings play outside, even though it is a ultimately a... Uh, pardon me. Even though it is ultimately a college stadium, and it looks like a college stadium, it just kind of... It just kind of is what it is. And... Uh, boy, I wouldn't want to play in that nasty humidity last night, but uh, again, it is what it is. <laughs> so yeah, the Vikings open week one with St. Louis. They play they uh, host the Patriots, head to New Orleans, host Atlanta, go to Green Bay, uh, host Detroit, go to Buffalo, go to Tampa. Uh-oh, Holly Brooks out there. Shout out if you're listening. Go to visit Holly Brooks over there in Tampa. She likes the, she's a Viking fan and a Tampa Bay fan, but she lives uh, in Florida, so... Doggone it. <laughs> Vikings head to Chicago. Apparently that game's going to be tougher than some of us may have thought at times. Toughest game of the year? Jeez, you know? Jeez. Uh, Every time we go to uh, New Orleans, it's just like wild and crazy. It's a big mess. It, it always is. It wasn't just the NFC Championship game. It was every year before that. It was just like, what the hell? Toughest game. Um, Patriots coming here has got to be up there. Going to Green Bay is never easy. It just isn't. Uh, going to Tampa, uh, you know, with the with the momentum the Chicago Bears have been picking up of late, a lot of you will think they're going to be really good, and I'm you know, on that list. And the Vikings never win there, ever. I will say the toughest game for the Minnesota Vikings in 2014 will be Chicago. Soldier Field. And yes, laugh all you want out there, guys. Laugh. All you want. That's the toughest game, in my humble opinion. In Soldier Field, 
Sunday, November the 16th. So I'll probably, yep, and uh, that's during that crappy cleanup season. <laughs> but I will definitely be able to do what I can and watch that game in its full, <laughs> in, in full, without a doubt. Man, I hope that can, I, I swear there was a Dave Hickey thing. Oh, I think maybe he sent a message. Doggone it. Yep, I'll, I'll get to it, though. Mark Carlson, here we go, saying, So excited for the coming NFL season. So excited to see our new Vikings team emerge from training camp and return to the Purple Mafia Show weekly format. Thank you for that, Mark. It's Saturday night, August 2nd, and I am at home from work. I have football fever. Got the TV on the NFL Network watching the Hall of Fame game with Andre Reid. Hall of Fame interview with Andre Reid, who I totally respect. This is helping with the fever. I saw a short list of future inductees. Randy Moss was on the list. Here we go. I think this is what I was... Here we go. For like 2016 or something. Yeah, here we go. I think this is what it was. It's Hickey up. Hickey and Mark Carlson. Yep, here we go. Yeah, that's, this is what it was. This is like a feature post here. Um, all I have to say is, really, I have no respect for him. I would like to hear what Probo Mafia has to say about that. Now, where's my tall grass beer? Skull, Mark from Iowa. P.S. Shout out to Dave Hickey. Hope you're having a great summer. And, of course, yes, I've mentioned a hundred times before, both of these guys are from Iowa. Yes, sir. Um, before I get to that, I will read what Dave had to say. He says, I totally agree with you, Mark, on Randy Moss. He was a great talent, but not a pro. Chris Carter was a true pro. He had a troubling beginning, but with the Vikings, it was pure magic. And Andre Reid was a pro also. Buffalo was my second favorite team growing up. Hmm. Imagine that. Two four-time losers of the Super Bowl. Oh, boy. I can really pick him, can't I? LOL. <laughs> and like you said, I can hardly wait for Viking football and weekly Purple Mafia shows. The summer is going fast, except for waiting on football. I hate the fact that the summer is going fast, but I am glad football's back, guys. So I'll start with that. Very, very interesting comments by both of them. And, uh, boy, the way things finished here, I can't disagree. <laughs> oh, oh boy. I'm scared because I think my uncle David Willard, if he's listening, the Purple Colonel, I think he's going to kill me. I think he's going to kill me because he's the king of Randy Moss fans. Yes. Uh, Purple Colonel, man. He's literally a colonel when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. Literally. Like, he... <laughs> He's met Randy Moss. He has uh, presented me with an autographed card from Randy Moss. Uh, David Willard, of course, my, the Purple Colonel. The unc my uncle. Oh, boy. People know who the Purple Colonel is out there. I, I, I hope he's listening. Uh, but I hated the way things ended with Randy Moss. I thought the traffic incident was the most overblown BS in the world. I mean, that was... And I know a lot of people may disagree with that one, but I, I have to give you my opinion. This is what that's what radio is all about. I thought that was overblown, blown, and I do think the Minneapolis media is just oof, duh. You know, okay, yeah, there we go. <laughs> that was cute, wasn't it? I, I I'm I'm not a huge fan. I, I'm gonna have a hard time getting into Minneapolis media. That's probably why I'm just an independent podcaster. You know. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go it on my own, man. Screw the screw the Minneapolis media. <laughs> okay, whatever. I mean, sometimes you have to go it on your own, and if you succeed, you succeed. Doggone it! And doggone it, I will succeed. Oh yeah, regardless of what, regardless of what the the lovers or the haters say, I will succeed. Yes, sir. Uh, 
Where's your tall grass beer? It better be 8-Bit, dog. Somebody's got somebody's to do a little real review on 8-Bit. But the way things ended with Randy Moss, man, it, it was garbage. I mean, the guy came here and, yeah, he cared. Sure, he cared, unlike Donovan McNabb. But at the same time, his attitude, he, 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 he was toxic, man. The guy was toxic. His first go-round in Minnesota, I think Randy Moss had a bad rap. But his second go-round in Minnesota, that was horse bleep. It, it really was. I hated it. I hated it. Everything about it, after, after well, well before, when he first came, I, I was just overcome with excitement and emotion. I, man, I couldn't have been brought down that I, you know how from that high in a more painful matter. I mean, you know how you get in that emotional high. You're so excited, and then there's that huge letdown. That's what Randy Moss was. It was like, it was like what people say heroin is, because <laughs> I obviously have not tried it, and I don't plan on it. But just saying, it gives you an unbelievable high, and then there's the unbelievable fall off, which is a large reason why you shouldn't take it, among millions of other reasons. Um. The unbelievable drop-off. Like, Randy Moss was, was Viking heroin. Literally, purple heroin. Oh, just disappointing, man. Let us down so bad. But his first go-round, I couldn't have been sadder when he was traded away. Even though, he's like, hey, we got Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson now. We got Nate Burleson now, man. Uh-huh. And Matthew Hatchet. Boy, boy, how did that work out? How'd that work for us? Well, we have Cordell Patterson now, thank God, who I think will have a more productive career and a better career than Percy Harvin. Oh, no. Did I say that? You know, it's not hard to imagine when Mr. Mr. Migraine continues to be who he is. Mr. Injury. Hard to, you know, as long as Cordell Patterson stays healthy, I think he will have a more productive career than Percy Harvin. There we go. Bouncing all over the place like always. And Mark Carlson saying bar with a sack. And yes, that was very exciting indeed. About time to wrap up the uh, Facebook page and wrap up the show here. Interesting way to wrap it up. Talking about Randy Moss one more time. I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame without a doubt. Oh, without a doubt. But first ballot? Nah. And he won't get in first ballot. He burned too many bridges over his career. Uh, Too many issues over his career. That alligator arms. The final play of his career. Randy Moss. He could have won a Super Bowl, but there was the alligator arms one more time. It might not have been the most accurate pass in the history of football, but by God, does it have to be to catch the pass of your life to end your career like like you know like like a Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan style? One last play and you win a championship on that play. And you catch the ball and ice that Super Bowl against those Baltimore Ravens. There wasn't a Richard Sherman situation where Richard Sherman came in simply and knocked the ball away and it was impossible for Michael Crabtree to make the catch. Impossible. Randy Moss could have caught that ball, but it was alligator arms, man. Old alligator Randy. Leatherhead himself. (laughs) For Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans back in the old days. I don't touch anything after 1995 when it comes to the Turtles, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> not even, don't you dare bring it up turtles to me. <laughs> but no, old leatherhead Randy Moss, Mr. Alligator Harms, couldn't catch the ball. Curse me tilts, man. Mm-mm. No, curse me kilt, excuse me. Oh, what a bunch of nonsense. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll calm down now. 
I will uh, be signing off from this episode. It was a bit weird, a bit wacky, and a little shorter probably than some of the Purple Mafia episodes in the past. And it probably is good if they're a little bit, teeny tiny bit shorter. But I try to stay as on topic as I can. I try to stay as sharp as I can. And try to stay off the ramble, which I'm starting to do now. So thank you all for listening. Try to stay, uh, try to stay cool. The, uh, humidity I think is going to go down in the next couple of days. So that's the good news. Not sure what it's like in Iowa. I know a lot of you don't, don't even live in Minnesota that are listening right now. But I'm just saying... It's been really stagnant out there of late. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, it's been stagnant. Humidity and no wind. Terrible combination. We got spoiled in July. It was nice and breezy the whole time. But I think the breeze might be coming back at least for a day or two here. and I hope so. With that, we will, we will get back to talking about the Minnesota Vikings once again. Another preseason game coming up here. Oh, yeah. How excited are you? Saturday against the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, sir. The team that uh, almost made the playoffs last year, and I really wish they did. That, of course, being Saturday, August the 16th, the Minnesota Vikings host another one. So TCF Bank gets another game. Very cool. Then we head off to uh, that team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, sir. We head off to Arrowhead. Saturday, August the 23rd. Then Thursday, a Thursday night football game to wrap up the preseason. The fourth game of the preseason. August the 28th against the Tennessee Titans and against, uh, well, a quarterback that I really wanted. A guy named Zach Mettenberger who can't get out of his own way. I think that guy is the most skilled quarterback in the draft, but he couldn't get out of his own way. Man, I really wanted that guy here, but unfortunately, like I just said 3,000 times already, you get the idea. Oh, Zach. Oh, Zach. Well, we'll see. We will see with what happens with him. It'll be interesting indeed to see, to, to watch what Zach Mettenberger does in that game. I will be watching as closely as I can in that one <laughs> for so many reasons, but no, mostly that one. All right, everybody. I will finally shut up now, and we will move on to preseason week number two. Take care, everybody. <laughs>